0: Hi, welcome back to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend, Chris Dyer, talks to all his amazing creative friends. Today I'm in beautiful Nevada City, California. I'm visiting my friend David, the Polish ambassador, who's a really talented music producer. And we had a really nice, deep conversation out here in his land in California. So I hope you'll enjoy this. let Sweet Thank you so much, Boom. for having me over yeah, your buddy. beautiful round home. Yeah, and thanks for letting us crash in the cabin in the back uh-huh. on this land. Uh-huh. Uh, what is this land uh, that we're living in? It's like some kind of per- permaculture <clears throat> dream.
1: Yeah, this is uh it's the execution of a, of a vision many years in the making. Uh, so I've been here for about ten years now. Okay, and. There's a few, a few different structures on this land, and over the past decade, um, it's gone through a few iterations, some being more private, and then some being more welcoming of, of community, um, in that we would have some folks living on this land with us. Right now, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's just myself, my cousin Matt, and, and another friend living here, and then we have uh, a cabin for for guests, so there's mm-hmm. a constant flow of people coming through here. Mm-hmm. But there was a there was a point where we were doing a full on community thing, and we had eleven people living here. Um, and it was yeah, like living living on land with with people and friends and people you care about was always a, a dream, right? I think it's a lot of people's dream. And then and then they do it, and and they're like you know, maybe for at least half the people, it no longer is a dream anymore because it's hard. It's not easy. Um, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, it's like touring. Like, you know, when I go on tour, it's like the best thing and the worst thing all at the same time. You get the, you get the fan interaction and you get to share your art. And then like two hours later, you're tumbling down a highway, like trying to sleep and you can't sleep. And it's like the worst, you know, mm-hmm. and living in community, it's, it's similar in that way. And that, you get to create and build together and uh, exchange ideas and cross-pollinate in so many beautiful ways. And then you have to go into the dumps with people and like kind of deal with a lot of stuff that's not that easy to deal with because you have so many different personalities and different people coming into the fold. So basically this land, in a nutshell, is an exploration in and all of that and community. community. D- different shades of community, yeah.
0: At least in the setup you got it. It's kinda of like a little villa where everybody's got their own little uh uh houses or, you mm-hmm. know, living environments and you don't have to be in the same house with roommates per se.
1: That's true. Yeah. There is sort of a, for some for some people there's like a shared uh a shared area, but yeah, it's 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 somewhere in between um private and communal, I guess I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what makes this uh a permaculture. I know you're into permaculture and we, we've we seen some things like that, toilet back there. Tell me about what what's permaculture for you and how you've incorporated it
1: into this land? Permaculture, I think because I did the, the permaculture action tour in 2014, um, which was amazing and a life highlight in, in a lot of ways, I, people have sort of, they've associated me with that word. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a permaculturalist. That was a vision of many people coming together. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of the artist that was performing. Just uh, to, to claim that I'm a permaculturalist would, wouldn't would be authentic. But what I am is a homesteader. Um, and I've done farming and gardening. And I've had animals out here. And I have 50 fruit trees right now. Um, and I, I manage about 25 acres of land out here. So uh yeah, it's um it's not permaculture, but it's it's doing, I guess I could say it for me in my moral compass, it's like doing doing work that is meaningful. So yeah, it's been it's been amazing. We've had I've had se- seven sheep, seven goats. Uh I think we got it up to 30 chickens. We were we were giving milk and eggs to neighbors and friends. Uh fruit trees. I just went and checked the persimmon trees and there's like 100 persimmons on on a on one of the persimmon trees, and yeah, it's fun getting your hands dirty and uh, and growing food, and then being able to to eat it. You know, to reap the, the fruits of your labor, so mm-hmm. to speak.
0: What, what's what's the importance of being self-sufficient and living uh, aligned with nature?
1: You know, that's an interesting question. The importance, like, I, it depends. Like obviously, who
0: you, you've chosen to live out in the yeah. country and have goats.
1: Yeah, well, for, I think it varies for person to person. Like to say that it it is objectively important, I don't think is true because we live in a we live in a time where for some people it's not important. They can live in a condo in in downtown San Francisco and they can go get organic food at the farmers market. So it's not necessarily important for everybody. For me, in particular, it was important because I was tra- I was traveling so much and I'm in front of a computer a lot with with composing. I mean, I'm kind of. I'm kind of addicted to composing, like you guys may have noticed, like I'm in the studio, even when I have friends here, I'm like in the studio a lot of the time making music. Mm-hmm. So to balance that out, um, for me to, to feel fullness and feel like, uh, I don't know, some sort of stability within myself or groundedness, I need to partake in things that are not digital Right. I need to like create. I need to build things. I need to like, Mm -hmm. you know, I built this outdoor kitchen out here. And one of my friends, we built a little cottage up here and, you know, chipping away at terraces, getting out with a pickaxe, like doing planting trees. So that sort of stuff, it balances out the computer work for me.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. What about the the area? I, I believe we're in Nevada City. And it seems very lovely out here. You took us out hiking today. <laughs> yeah. We swam in the river. Yeah. Um, tell
1: me why you chose to be here. I think I chose to be here because I'm, I'm not really a city person at this point in my life, e- even though it would be helpful for my career, I guess. There would be too much compromise in my quality of life to be in a city. So at this point in my life, like career is definitely secondary to me enjoying life. That wasn't always the case. You know, I'm 42 now, so maybe something has changed and I'm like, okay, I've done a bunch of work. Like now, now I can rest a little bit more and I can enjoy the river and I can enjoy like more community and going to farmer's markets regularly and, you know, having land and having animals. Um, but that, that's the main reason I ended up here. I mean, there's, there's a longer story there too, because originally I'm from Philadelphia and I kind of made my way over here. Uh, over the past couple decades um, so yeah, that's maybe a there's some stories there for for another time, but in, in general it's uh, Yeah, it's just because I need to be I need to be in the country But close enough to an airport like an hour away so I can do my work. Okay,
0: yeah. so you don't enjoy city life so much anymore.
1: I Enjoy city life for a weekend uh-huh. <laughs> But like for for living there, I don't think I could do it. I think so when I moved from the Bay, cause I was living in Oakland uh, 11 years ago. So I've been up here for 10 years. Okay. And when I moved from the Bay, I said to myself, you know what, I love the Bay and I, I do, I, I love I loved, I loved city life. And I, what I said to myself was, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to the country and then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna stay connected. I'm gonna go back like once a month and hang out and just you know rent a place or stay with a friend for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And I said that and I never did it once, once I got up here. Mm. And I think what happened was something that maybe could have only happened through experience of sort of living and grounding into, uh, I guess the countryside for, for me and, and the way my, my whole system is oriented, like, uh, my whole nervous system calmed down and I didn't realize that that is what was gonna happen when I left the city. Because mm. every day is relative to the day before, right? So I wasn't mm. even maybe aware that my nervous system was like on high alert in a city. And then I get mm. here and after a month I'm like, whoa, I'm like sleeping longer, I'm resting more. I'm like not thinking I need to go do something all the time. So once I, once I started feeling that, I was like, hell no, I'm not, I'm not going back to the city for, mm. you know. For too long, but I'll go. I'll go back. I'll visit friends, and some, sometimes I'll go for a weekend that's not even related to to work, and uh, I'll just go hang out in a cool hotel in a cool neighborhood, and and maybe you know, just take in some art, check out some music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: maybe you noticed that you were a little bit more anxious in your city life.
1: I think so. Yeah, interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I wonder how many of us, because uh, I think all of us are anxious to some degree. I know I am, uh, and if we only perhaps went to a more natural way of living that would calm us down. But probably that's not the equation for everybody since there's so many of us. Some of us have to, you know, be grouped up in cities. Yeah. So um, we actually met on that tour of the permaculture tour. Well, we didn't really meet, but we we were there together. I don't know Uh if you know, uh, Envision 2015, uh, you organized some kind of effort to go to a little school on top of a mountain near Uvita, Costa Rica. And you were getting people to work on their land and stuff. I don't know how much you directed it, but I knew like, oh, the Polish ambassador is doing uh-huh. these things. Yeah. And I, I was teaching an art class. I, since I know Spanish, I was teaching them art. I cool. painted them a mural. Yep. And you were out there in the, in the garden making them some like cool garden
1: situation. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, totally. I remember yeah. that.
0: I don't know if you, you, I was on your radar yet. Yeah, uh, well, I,
1: I, you were on my radar, and I, I remember coming and saying hi. It was brief. Okay. But I, I remember there was a mutual respect, and it was hmm. it was like, awesome, thanks for being here. And,
0: yeah, nice. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, yeah, we only really hanged out properly the next year in Chicago
1: uh-huh.
0: at, uh, what was it, North Coast?
1: North Coast, yeah. North
0: Coast, yeah. You yeah, took yeah. me out on a date, you drove <laughs> me around with a golf cart, and we went you know, to eat at a little merch spot, it was cool, thank you. Nice. Yep. But tell me about uh, this permaculture, even though you're not a permaculturist and you don't want sign yourself titles <laughs> that's, that's totally yeah. fine okay. but obviously you care about people mm. you care about using structures like permaculture to improve people's lives mm, mm-hmm. why a dj and this is a question that's almost you know rhetorical but i want you to explain it to me like you're there to play music but you're like okay one second everybody we're a bunch mm-hmm. of gringos going to this like country Is there something we can do other than just party? Can we go and help maybe this little school on top of a mountain near Uvita? Mm -hmm. Uh, You're the only one from Mm. this whole festival, super cool scene with lots of money going into it that kind of has done that and be like, all right, how can we use this energy and people and good intentions and we're all patting each other on the back, about we're the good guys and we're the conscious woke people (laughs) and (laughs) what the fuck are we doing? You actually did something with that effort. So tell me what was going through your mind and how was the experience?
1: Cool. Well, thanks and good question. Um, How do I answer that? Let's see. I feel like at different points of, of our lives we're different, we're different people, right? And we have different energies running through us. Mm-hmm. And my my thirties were, I would say, a bit more about me speaking publicly about where my music comes from. It was just the it was the tide, the tide that was running through me that needed to come out in a certain way. Um, so I would kind of talk about, you know, I write, I write, I write music for these reasons. And if I, if I write it for these reasons, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to see it, uh, help in, in certain ways. Um, so that was kind of how, how that all unfolded. It was really, it was really more of a, um, a byproduct of who I was at that time. And, and the music was the catalyst to, to facilitate some sort of, change in different communities or helpful maybe not even change but just like a helpful vibration in the communities we would go through um and yeah it's interesting to reflect on that and see what has transpired over the last say decade because a lot of people know me for that and people that are following me closely know that i don't actually do that anymore i don't do the action days as as they were called i think we did maybe like 50 to 100 over over like 3 years which was pretty rad. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So we definitely, you know, I scratch I scratched that itch for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, um just going back to like the different phases of our lives, like this phase in of my life is is uh a little less outgoing in that way, mm-hmm. but still wanting to create good. Um and I think I I've, I've turned my efforts into exploring what it feels like to be, uh, um, growing food on, on my own land now. And like having, you know, occasionally I'll have work parties with friends who will come over and then, you know, when there's fruit to be had, those are going to be the first people I call and I'm like, Hey, there's 300 peaches like come get, come get some peaches and kind of doing, doing that work in more of a, a micro, uh, more, More sustainable and more grounded way. A lot of times with the action days, they were so cool, and we would light people up in these amazing ways. And the amount of times I would have, I've had, I still have people come back and say, "Hey, I was at your action day in Eugene, and like it it actually redirected my life." That still happens pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, But 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 the the counter to that to those action days, you know, just looking at all sides of the coin is, we would come through and we'd do something. And a lot of times, what it would really be was inspiration for people, because maybe three months later we would find out that thing that we did was not no longer being tended to, right? So like I want to be real. I want to be real with it, and not paint like just that it was all perfect and this beautiful picture because it was cool. Yes. But I think the the real juice was just igniting something in people, mm-hmm. and not not necessarily like oh we changed the the world in some way or we like changed yes. physically this area. It was more. Yeah. A catalyst for for people to learn something about themselves.
0: Right. Well, yeah. it, it's a vibe you put out there, and I'm sure it in, inspired many people, as you said. And that's enough sometimes. And when it comes to activism like that, I know that shit's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're giving yourself. Plus, you're focusing on like the problems of the world. It's like, oh, the world's sick, so we gotta do something. And it's hard living that way. Like it's, yeah. uh, so I feel like activism is something that people can do for a few years and then hopefully somebody else takes the post yeah. and continues the work so you can live according to the ethics that you preached at that time or, or worked at that time, but more in your, uh, uh, you know, little environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: So in the same way that you had that uh, chapter with the, uh, you know, the action days, I'm sure you have many different chapters in your music. Your music seems to be like, I don't wanna say like all over the place because it would sound like you don't have a focus, but it, it goes through different movements. Like uh, some of it is certainly electronic dance. Yeah. Some of it seems hip hop, some is more like world, some has lyrics, some is instrumental. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your uh, journey with uh, music and the different influences uh, you've had through all these years? Like how long have yeah. you been doing this music to start with?
1: Let's see, I put out my first record in 2006 or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the music has jumped all over the place. Uh-huh. Like it started it started from me loving Super Nintendo so much. <laughs> so much that I like I, I couldn't only play it all day, I had to make music that sounded like it. Oh yeah, you made like, eight bit music. Yeah, I was making like bit eight bit and sixteen bit music for no. my first my first two or three albums. No. And yeah. Wow. And then it kind of. Listen
0: to that. Is that on Spotify? Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, I'll send cool. them to you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're not albums. I mean back in the day people were listening to them and that's kind of how I got my start. But at this point, they're not getting nearly as much traction as the newer stuff. You know. Um, I didn't, even know, it existed. <laughs> were you doing that in, in your Philadelphia or you're already in Oakland? I was living in Chicago in at Chicago. that point, actually. Okay. But yeah, I think I'm just, I'm just, I'm influenced by all sorts of things in life. But as far as music, I mean, I love so many different types of music. Like I, I'll listen to world music and I'll listen to like, I don't know, some chill out electronic or some blues or like, like folk. I mean, I love, there's no, there's no genre that I'm like, oh. No, it's like music is like food for me. It's like, mm. I want to sample the, the most delicious music that the world has to offer, you know? Right. So I'm taking in lots of different music. And, and for me, it's like, I, I really, I, I've just taken a different path. And sometimes it's interesting, you know, we all have our, our questioning of our, uh, of which path may have been the right one. Occasionally, I'll, I'll say to myself, I'll look at the the electronic landscape. And I'll see artists that have like gotten really big, and they all kind of seem they focus on a sound, and they like really, really refine that one sound, mm-hmm. and to the point where if you think of the name of that artist, it's like oh they make that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know. I may have shot myself in the foot in a in a sense. I mean, granted, I'm I'm doing good, and I'm I'm so grateful for where I'm at. But sometimes I wonder if. If because I've gone like I'll do a I'll do a chill album I'll do like a 16-bit album I'll do a world album I'll do a reggae album and like if you listen to these albums and you don't know that it's by me most people most people will say it's a different artist if you don't tell them who it is mm-hmm. um, and I think that what's happened is I've I've gained a really interesting type of fan that's more on board with me for the journey mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily on board for a particular style of music. It's like you don't really know what you're gonna get when you come to one of my shows. Yeah. Um, and I think that excites people. And I think that I probably lost some fans uh-huh. along the way and gained gained new ones. Cause it's like if someone finds me through pushing through the pavement and they hear like the world hip hop vibe that was through that and then they listen to my, my new album, Super Chill Goats, it's just like electronic bangers, you know? Uh-huh. And there's world elements to it, but it's not as like chilled out, and it's more hype, you know. Right. Um, so my point, I guess, my point is, is like, I love what I'm doing, and I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep exploring because like, it makes it so I don't get bored. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the most important thing is like, as an artist, you want to stay, as long as you're as long as you're good financially and uh, you're happy you're probably not so concerned with staying relevant. You want to channel and do what feels good to you as an artist.
0: Right. Right. That's
1: the true artist. Yeah.
0: Um, I think I'm your kind of fan because I like variety. Yeah. And it's cool when an artist, may it be visual or vibrational, finds their voice and they rock it and they take it as far as they can. but. Eventually it plateaus Mm -hmm. and then it gets boring and it's like, okay, I already saw that painting, I already heard that album, like, give me something new, but also good. Particularly, I try new mediums and I feel like your different albums is almost like, okay, well, this album was a watercolor album Mm. and this was an oil painting album and this album's a collage. And this one will be acrylics. And this one will be spray paint. Uh-huh, I like it. And you <laughs> might be better at spray paint than watercolor. And some people might be like, I don't know if I'm even with this watercolor shit. But it's like, yeah, just fucking wanted to paint watercolors. I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. That's why <what laughs> yeah, you, totally. you had to express in this, in, in this day. Um, uh-huh. w- what would you say is your most popular album from what you've heard?
1: Um, I mean, Pushing Through the Pavement, I think it's still like if there's like the Let the Rhythm song that a lot mm-hmm. of people right. know and they, I think they find me through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that's probably the most popular the popular album. That was 2015. Um, and then, interestingly, I think my second most is an album I released in 2020 during the pandemic, which is called Times Running In, which is sort of like, it, it's it was my first real exploration of merging... World music with like more, uh, I don't know what to say, like edgy uh, electronic. Okay. Um, kind of like more. I feel like pushing through the pavement was exploring a lot of major chords, uh-huh. and it was like very uplifting and positive. And times running in definitely was exploring more uh, minor chords. Okay. And m- more, more, just like a different, a different energy, like an en- an energy that's a little more like oh, I want to get up and move to this and maybe uh, in a different way, like the pushing through the pavement is like kind of more bouncy and you uh-huh. still want to move to it, but just in a different way.
0: Right. So yeah. would you say one was more like good vibes and the other one's not necessarily bad vibes, but like, uh, as you said, edgier, yeah. perhaps it's a little bit more depressed as 2020 was, but also like it's got that anxiety of like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's got, it's, it's more, it's, it's an album and the music is more stirring in a certain way. Like if you're feeling like you would need to like get through something, it's a good album to put on because uh, it'll, it'll allow you to maybe go through your own process a little bit more than say an album that's all major chords, right? Like, like when you get into albums that are more uplifting like that, it's like you put those on when you have like a, I don't know, barbecue with friends, right? And, uh-huh. and then maybe... Like if you if you have like some sort of dance practice or something, you put on an album that kind of can take you a little more inward, right? right? So different different music for different times.
0: Did the did the second one have lyrics in it, or was it just instrumental? It's
1: mainly instrumental. There's a few features: uh, Nitty Scotts on a track, um, mm-hmm. Zion I is on a track. A uh, yeah, rest in peace. He he died last year. Um, and that's
0: great that you could get him
1: he's great yeah no i mean he's he's a legend he's in my opinion that's one of the best right? oakland yeah yeah what about so.
0: mr lift is he also from oakland
1: no mr lift is from boston originally i know he lived in boston. the bay and then i think he lived in seattle for a while mm-hmm. uh but we're we're still in touch he's a, he's a homie that's awesome he's yeah. legendary well oh, so and
0: i also like these are like yeah.
1: 90s hip-hop artists yeah. that
0: i listened to and then when i saw him uh, playing on your albums. I was like, Oh, this guy knows what's up. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love, I mean, underground hip hop, like there's a, there's, there's only, I mean, I I love hip hop. I, I have a hard time getting into what's, what's popular right now, but there is an era like the golden era of hip hop all the way up to, I don't know, like, like maybe 2010, there's just so much and it's still happening. It's just, it's not uh, commercial. It's not well, yeah, and it's and there's not as many opportunities for though for that the people that are making that kind of art. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's as many people doing it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like there needs to be willingness for people to spend money on an underground hip hop show for for people to want to make underground hip hop. This is kind of the nature of our mm. society. Um, but I mean, shoot, like a Mr. Lif and. And the I've worked with the Grouch, like I've nice. worked with all I've I've worked with a lot. Cool Keith, like a you work with Cool Keith? Yeah. Yeah. What? I've done a couple songs. No. Yeah, I'll send I'll send him How to you. How was that? Awesome. Really? Yeah, he's great. He seems so weird. He's very weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he's he's a, an, a he's super talented lyricist and um yeah. We haven't ha- we haven't had too many exchanges. It's mainly been by by email, but mm. he's like super professional yeah. and uh, did an awesome, there's a, a song called Electric Mind, which is actually out right now. It's just a single that's gonna be on a forthcoming album, so you have to check that out. Okay, nice. Yeah. Fucking Black Elvis, you know? <laughs> I know, man, but he's a legend. Awesome. Dr. Octagon, like, he's got so many names, that guy. Oh man, he's the
0: best. Oh, once again, this is just like amazing 90s mm-hmm. hip hop that for me is the best kind of
1: hip hop. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: So that's so lucky that you get to uh, you know make music with them.
1: I love weaving that. I mean it's, their their style is so on point. So I'm having fun weaving that vibe from like whatever uh, early 2000s to 2010 era and weaving that into more modern electronic and it sounds great. Uh-huh. And you know. I was I went to Mr. Lifts uh, Spotify today to see
0: like, you know, what he was offering, and yeah. his collab with you was his number one song. And uh-huh. I'm like, Oh shit! Like, yeah. his, you know, Polish ambassador collab is more popular than fucking, you know, yeah. "Arise" or something like old yeah. school. That one
1: got really popular. Uh-huh. It's it's funny. I love the song, but it's like I look back to pushing through the pavement, and it's not even my favorite. I mean, I, there's there's another lift song that I I like better, uh, but anyways, for whatever reason, it, it caught the attention of a lot of people at a certain time, and it just I don't know. It's taken on a life of its own. Yeah, you,
0: yeah. You, you can do what you think is good, and then what resonates with people. <laughs> I know. It's not, you're not them. I know, totally. So they,
1: <laughs> they might like something
0: different. That's funny. So, what are you? What's your current flavor of expression? Like what you played in Saint Pete. So you recently played in Saint yeah. Pete. uh Paulina and me caught you out there. Uh-huh. Even had you over for brunch and uh, uh, Nintendo the morning <laughs> after. It was really
1: fun. But there you seem like you're playing more like house, right? Yeah, I was playing a lot of house music. I'm uh-huh. making a lot of house music right now. I mean, I would say my my set is about half house and then half bass music, like, and then a couple things, a couple other styles woven in. So what I've been doing over the past maybe five years or so is I'll start at around 100 BPM with something that is pretty groovy and I'll work my way up to house for, and then I'll I'll stay in a, in a house groove for maybe a solid half hour, maybe more, depending on how long the set time is. And then I'll transition way down to like 70 BPM. And that's kind of when more like the bass music, hip hop stuff will start to come in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go from 70 BPM back to about 110 and mm-hmm. try to close with something in between.
0: Okay, that's smart. You know? so you're like, you're working, they get tired. Okay, yeah. let's
1: give them a little break. Yep.
0: But well, let's give it one more little go, exactly. and now uh, let's see them off. <laughs> yeah, smart. Yeah, because that's how I feel when I'm dancing. I was like, yeah. I love this. <laughs> and I'm fucking sweating here. And can you just put like a slow song to like chill it out? Yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> uh, do you ever get into uh, drum and bass? I've been a little bit. Yeah, I have a few a few tracks that you know, drum and bass is what like 180 BPM. So it's a lot of a lot of drum and bass can work with hip hop. So it's kind of like double time hip hop. So. I have some songs that are around like 90 BPM, and then I'll halfway through the song, I'll, I'll uh, kind of transform it into a drum and bass song for like a minute or so, and then uh-huh. ma- maybe go back. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh,
0: and how are fans reacting? Perhaps a fan that goes for like a chill hip hop vibe, and all of a sudden they're dancing to house. You said you might have pushed some fans away, but yeah. like, do you care a little bit about the reaction of the audience you must to some degree or but mostly it's like well but this is what I feel like expressing today so I'm gonna do it and hope for the best
1: Yeah no I definitely I definitely care um, and for I guess fortunately for me the, the sets that I've been playing are they're being received really really well and I think in general in the live music world like people that come out to shows they talk with one another. And they have friends in other places, and they'll say, like, they'll they'll know. Okay, Polish is coming to St. Pete, and they'll they'll check in with a friend that was in De- My for my last Denver show, mm-hmm. and they'll say, what was what's Polish's set like? And and they'll be like, oh, you need to go. Or maybe sometimes they're like, oh, you know, it's a little more chill. Maybe sit this one out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that the world of live music, like information, spreads pretty fast amongst fans of live music that are. Um, wanting to know what a current artist is putting out or like, or how their live performance is.
0: Right. Well, that's yeah. smart for those people. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of go because you know, <laughs> I like the general vibe of a performer and then you get what you get. And Yeah.
1: Well, there's some of that too, for sure. But, right.
0: Yeah. Um, but in the same way that perhaps some people are expecting something and it's like, oh, he didn't give me what I want. I'm moving on. Perhaps you're also like, "Well, I'm not boring, and you come every year and I'll give you a different flavor, and yeah, it's like going to a restaurant and you're not always eating the same plate, you're trying new varieties, and that keeps you going to the restaurants like, "Oh, he's got more." Totally. You know And hopefully yeah. that's what's kept you uh, relevant and, and popular through these years, uh, as maybe some DJs found their sound, and uh-huh. you know, that sound became old, and they went off with, uh, <laughs> with the trends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, that's true. I, I guess one thing just to add on to that is the one thing I think you're going to always get when you come to one of my shows is you're going to, you're going to dance. Like that's, that's sort of the central theme. I don't really play too much of my, I make a lot of chill music, but I don't really play too much of that. Maybe at the very beginning or the very end of a set, but in general, you're going to, if you come to a show, you're probably going to sweat. You're probably not going to need to, Go to your yoga class tomorrow, you're gonna you're gonna get after it. Nice.
0: Well I think that's what people want when they go to a show. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know, people got different uh, intentions for going out. You know, yeah. some people wanna go out and meet some girls, others wanna like, you know, sniff some stuff. I don't know. I go because, you know, if I do go out, which is not that often, I would like to dance and mm-hmm. have a good time and is such a weird thing. You're just Mm -hmm. fucking kicking your body around. Like, you know, know, like, what does it mean? Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: But humans do that shit. Like,
0: we're the kind of animal that needs to do that. Maybe a couple animals out there also do it, (laughs) but we're the kind of animals that need to do this. And somehow it feels good. And somehow it's like a spiritual liberation and a tribal connection with your spiritual self that's important for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think you hit it. It's like, you know, people go to sports and they like cheer and that's there's camaraderie and like looking around and seeing other people cheering. And mm-hmm. for certain people, there's a camaraderie in going around and kind of like nodding your head together and yeah. like moving your body together, right?
0: Connection with strangers yeah. that yeah. you wouldn't have as you walk down <laughs> the street and mm-hmm. you look at the ground and you rarely say hi to the stranger, Yeah, uh, you know, but you can do it at a show. It's like, oh, we all like TPA. Yeah, What's there's, the- I mean,
1: relatability is the key, right? It's like, as soon as we, as soon as we find relatability with someone else, if we're at like a party, all of a sudden it's like, fascination of that person opens up. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you like the same thing I do? Like, and then mm-hmm. you kind of explore it together, right? right.
0: And that's what I like about, uh, say, Chris Dyer fans. They, they show it on their sleeve. They use it on their clothes, their hats. Uh-huh. And then they recognize them. It's like, oh, you like Chris Dyer arts too. It's like, (laughs) let's talk. And then they they become best friends. Sometimes people have married after like, oh, I met my wife because (laughs) she was using one of your dresses. And then we saw we were by you know resonant
1: aliens. And well, it's so cool because like the art that we make and a lot of other people make these days, it's so niche that like you know if 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 you like Chris Dyer and you see someone else, you know you're at least gonna like something about each other. Uh-huh. And you're gonna be able to like have some sort of cool conversation. Right. Right, Which is cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's not like you're Taylor Swift. And <laughs> there's so many motherfuckers <laughs> that like that, that you know, I'm not, I, I'm always ratting on poor Taylor Swift. <laughs> I saw a Taylor Swift show, well the NCS, yes, Taylor Swift show. We were in uh, Detroit and Taylor Swift was playing in town and everywhere you were, it was people with their cowboy wow. hats. Wow. And, you know it was interesting. You could play
1: Taylor Swift right now for me, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually know who it is. I. I.
0: I I'm know, so. I'm
1: so out of touch with that. With I like don't popcorn. know
0: her. Her music, but uh-huh. a lot of people do.
1: Yeah, and sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm
0: like, whoa, what is this thing that reaches most normal people? Yeah. Uh, that you know, I wish. My mini culture was as l- beloved as that. But as you said, because it's like a smaller, best kept secret, mm-hmm. niche thing, when you do find somebody else, that's like if I walk down the street and I, I, I even see uh, somebody with an op- t-shirt or something you're like whoa you look odd. like yeah. you're not there's not a lot of people even though he's very big and popular in the scene sure but in the real world yeah that's not like a common thing yeah totally even just visionary art in general if you're walking on the street and somebody's using something of well, any of my friends i'd be like whoa let's yeah. talk who are you uh-huh. like, so <laughs> that's that's like do you, do you feel like with your music you're creating some kind of not churchy but like some kind of spiritual gathering that do you have a particular intention with what you're doing? You're just playing to make people have a fun time? Or to, mm-hmm. or is there a spiritual aspect of yourself that's like, I'm going to channel the most high through me mm. so they can also feel the most high and access that higher, self, that higher part <clears throat> of themselves?
1: I like to think that that's happening without me having to, like, uh, intentionalize it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if I can... This is kind of meta because I'm like thinking about it right now. But anyways, uh, it's like the more I can get into the studio and operate from a place of like a clean slate of like feeling good and going into um, creation without thinking about an in, like an intention, I almost feel like something even more pure will mm-hmm. come through. And th- uh-huh. and then if I share that with with the people that want to hear it, um, that, and they're, they're able to receive it from a place that maybe they're coming where they're not thinking so much mm-hmm. uh, and they're dancing, like it's, it's, it's having some sort of impact uh, on their being that is helpful. Right. It's, it's, I don't know, it's a little confusing as I speak it, but maybe maybe that makes a little so bit of sense.
0: Maybe giving it intention is overthinking it and uh, intellectualizing it and you just want to be the, the open, empty cup. Exactly, it's like I'm the empty cup. I will yeah. do what I'll do, and let whatever has to pass through me. And hopefully, it's something good. We all would want that, yeah. yeah. And hopefully, that goodness can pass on to others. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that could escape your general intention. <laughs> yeah. Or at least that, that's how I imagine. Like, yeah. Perhaps some performers are like. I'm gonna channel the fucking yeah. satanic vibes and get these people <laughs> to destroy the stadium. Like yeah. we've seen that Woodstock '99 and shit. <laughs> well, it's like the
1: intent. Like maybe the intention is to not have any intention uh-huh. because then you create something that's maybe that much more pure, and and then people that hear it, it resonates in a, a more pure way as they need it to resonate for them. Uh-huh. It's not like cover. It's not like encapsulated in my intention and then presented to them. You know mm. what I mean?
0: Do you feel like in general as a performer who channels or performs for thousands of people, there's a responsibility of being a good person and like being pure, as you say? Like, do you put a lot of pressure on yourself of like, man, if I'm going to be like giving out my heart to these people, that heart... Might as well be the best I can offer possible, or That's, you try to separate. Yeah, them. that you know, it's
1: so interesting. If you ask me that in my in my thirties, I may have a different answer. But at this point, I would almost say that like the more I can, the more I can say to myself that I'm not responsible to be a good person. The more I end up being a good person.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's almost like if I am having too much chatter. And maybe more anxieties running mm. about being a good person. And then, like, maybe I'll arrive to a situation more tense than I would otherwise. Mm-hmm. And maybe I won't actually be the best person I can be. So it's almost like, yeah, just almost trusting that, I am, that I'm, there is good that will, will come in an interaction. And, and just letting that be.
0: Right. Yeah. Once again, your general intention is there. You know it. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. And you're just allowing things to be without this. Like I'm supposed to be perfect, uh-huh. and if I'm not perfect for the people, <laughs> then I'm letting them down, and then that has a vibration of yeah. guilt, which is not a positive vibration. And yep. Well, that's great that you're allowing yourself to be where the fuck you are right now. Yeah. Without judgment. Thanks. Tom. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. I always observe you as a well-balanced human beings. So <laughs> anyway, I know is perfect either way. No, yeah, so, no. You know, we I try, have my moments. Yeah, <laughs> we try our best and we accept our humanness. Uh, for sure. So tell me about touring. Do you like go on like long stretched out tours that hit up everything or you go on quicker spouts of that?
1: Uh, mostly I do weekend runs. I'll do like maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, some days I'll tack on a, a Sunday um a couple times over when i saw you i was out there for two and a half weeks on the east if i'm going to go to the east coast i'm probably going to spend at least two weeks there because i don't really get out there that often Mm -hmm. so try to do southeast and northeast when i get out there um i like being able to go out and and bang out a few shows and then come back and have like a week or two on the land and then go out and do it again Mm -hmm. I, i did the national touring thing for about five years where i was on the road for maybe 100 days a year for like three of those five years and it was fun and you know kind of like I was talking about earlier in the interview is like one of the most fun and amazing things and one of the worst things mm-hmm. it's just like so intense on your system to right to be so ungrounded and like so just yeah just driving down not getting good sleep yeah. like maybe having one too many drinks the night before and like trying to make it all Happen again the next night, and you're just kind of, you know, you're not phoning it in because you you love being there, but you're also tired. Yeah. And it's like when you're tired, like things become less fun. Yeah. Ultimately.
0: You're emotionally and physically (sighs) burning
1: more than you
0: than you have. (sighs) Totally. Um, so now you take it easier. Um, how important is to tour and to perform? Uh, could you? Could you ever just be like, oh, I'm not going to perform anymore and just go uh, make a living off streaming or is it something that you have to do every year in order to, um, you know, pay your bills and whatnot?
1: My guess is if I didn't if I didn't tour and I just tried to stream, I would be okay for a little while. But I think that like there's so many new people coming in new artists coming in you know the barrier to entry of electronic music is a laptop and like watching tutorials it's like anybody can do it which means the entry point is super high uh or the the amount of people coming in rather is really high into that world yeah i I think that like I, i would need to tour in order for people to keep listening Right, so it's kind of like promotion in a way. Kind of, it's stoking the
0: fire of interest. Yeah, because if you just disappear from their faces, yeah, then all you got is social media.
1: Yeah, and like Mm -hmm. ten other artists will have come in to that person's field at that point, so they're going to be listening to you less unless you're maybe coming through and showing them you got some new stuff, or I don't know. I don't know how it all works ultimately, but that's kind of a mix of
0: everything. Yeah. What about social media? can you just tour and not do social media? I know you quit Instagram at one
1: point. Yeah, yeah. I'm, How was that? Why I made did you my, do that? My, I, I quit announcement. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. And I'm back now, yeah. but I'm not. I'm back. I'm kind of back in a different way. Like I, for the for those that are paying attention to my my social, like it's I'll do I'll do posts when I'm on tour. Uh
0: huh.
1: You know because I kind of need to promote the show. Yeah, and, and I'm on these freaking wicked awesome adventures like. All yeah. of a sudden, I'm at this amazing place in Montana, and I'm like, "Oh!" And I'm with with a couple friends, so I'm like, oh, "Let's take a photo and post it, right?" Yeah. But it's it's that that I would say is a little more calculated and intentional. It's like, "Oh, okay, I have a show tonight. Let's go to this cool place." And you know, one little one small piece of us going to this cool place will be to get a a photo, and we put it up. And that, but that's mm. it. Or if I'm like announcing a single, but I don't really do. Casual posts that's, that are just about my feelings and you know those that's more private for me mm-hmm. um, But yeah, letting people know about shows and a little little glimpses into my life like uh, that also help promote music and shows
0: uh-huh. yeah. Wait, When you quit Instagram, how long was that? Uh,
1: for oh I think it was for a couple years is yeah for like Facebook and Instagram. I kind of just stopped it it actually was funny because it coincided with the pandemic. It happened before the pandemic uh-huh. that I quit. I think it was like 2019. Why did you do it? I kind of th- thought that like, uh, and I still kind of think this, like that those apps aren't actually that useful for musicians. And, and the amount of um, harm that came from it wasn't worth the amount of help that it actually did for a person's career. Specifically- The harm on you? Yeah, the harm on me. Mm-hmm. Um, like what was harm on you? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I, maybe harm's a strong word, but just like the amount of anxiety that it would induce. What's that was a kind of harm. Yeah, um, or just like the amount of th- thinking you need to keep up with the pack,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: It's like sometimes when you tune into Instagram, it's like, oh, w- my my contemporaries are posting about all this stuff. I now I need to do it or Yeah, comparison I, and normal. Yeah. So I kinda just wanted to uh have a elongated break. I thought I thought the break was gonna be forever.
0: Yeah.
1: Um it wasn't. And uh and now but now it's like I said, I'm coming at it from a new angle. It's more like a lot of times with shows, I have an agreement where it's like they're like, well you, if we're gonna hire you to do the show you need to post about it yeah they they so, want
0: that the fame of the the producer musician to yeah, reach their audience and totally. get their fans there it's understandable it makes
1: sense and i'm not hating on anybody that does social media for whatever reason you want it's it's amazing and beautiful and yeah. i think we can all agree that there are some some pretty obvious pitfalls to social media that we all need to pay attention to individually and that was that was sort of me paying attention to it in my own individual way yeah yeah
0: did your mental health improve when you took that break how was it not paying attention to social media for two
1: years yeah i think so i think what it ultimately what it what it ended up was like me calling friends more Mm -hmm. and me like doing more adventures yeah me going to the river more like I, I mean, I, I think I. A lot of my friends would say, I go to the river. I mean, I'm busier than a lot of my friends and I go to the river more than a lot of my friends uh-huh. because like I I don't really spend, I don't really give that sort of thing too much energy. I get my work done, I do the studio and then I'm free. Mm-hmm. I'm available. I'm like, no, let's go, let's, that's why we work. That's why we work hard. Let's we work hard life. so we can enjoy. Uh-huh. So let, we don't work hard so we can stress out on Instagram and watch a bunch of stupid yeah. shit, you know?
0: Right. Do you feel, though, like when you uh, weren't on social media for a couple of years, that affected your career and your visibility? Maybe you fell off uh, the consciousness of people who perhaps weren't catching you on their show or didn't even know you were having a show because you weren't on their video game promoting it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one to answer. I don't think so. It just so happened that when I, when I let go of that... Um, I was in a place where I was actually only doing 20 gigs a year uh-huh. and I had been for the past four or five years, like kind of picking 20 big gigs a year. So I was going to get those 20 big gigs a year, whether or not, just because like of, you know, Polish ambassador was still relevant enough that I was going to get those gigs. Uh huh. Now I do think that like, so this year I'm, I'm going to be up to 40 gigs a year. Uh-huh. So doubling that. so. N- if I'm going to go do these smaller shows and like, you know, I was just in Whitefish, Montana. Great place, great show. Like 600 people came out and it was it was awesome. But my point is if I'm going to go do shows in smaller towns like that, I need I'll need to promote them a little bit. I'll need to be a little more active in that sphere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. Um I like your I like that you're back, uh, both because I like you as a person, but I think you're hilarious. Your, your humor side of of your project is is great. Thanks. And it seems like, as you just said, like you're promoting on social media your your personality as a musician, and you're not even really promoting David Zuglowski you're promoting the Polish ambassador, which is a fictional character as far as I know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and it's like, look at this guy who dresses like this. And, and, you know, you're not promoting like, hey, my name's David, and this is how yeah. I feel today, which, kind of like what I do. <laughs> um, you know, you just kind of like have them separated. So you liked, you mostly like to keep your private life private and your public life
1: public, correct? Yeah. I do, yeah. I mean, as evidenced by like, this is, this is like the first... First interview or podcast I've done in maybe like five years. Yeah. Well, you know. thank you so much for oh, doing yeah. it. Oh yeah. No, I mean, like I was saying at the river, it's like you know it's this this one's a a cool one because it's you and we've established a friendship, yeah. so it feels it feels more like we're hanging out talking. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think like podcasts or interviews, they can kind of they're strangers, they don't know you and stuff. Yeah, they're strangers, and and also it's like it's like I was saying, like if I'm gonna do a podcast at this point, it's probably going to be. Because it's just someone I want to hang out with and like chat with. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
0: thank you so much once again.
1: Yeah, and I think that like podcasts are uh, they're really cool in a lot of ways and really helpful for for people. And you know, it's it's just like one of those things that we pick and choose like what we put our our energy towards. And right for me, this is a, this is a good time, a good one to do. Well, there's
0: do a lot it. of medicine to pass, uh, both in your music and in your. Uh, Humor and comedy that's medicine and in a conversation and like for example what you just shared about You needing to tend to yourself and like, you know what? Fuck the attention of everybody else I need to just like take some time for myself and chill out and be in nature Mm -hmm. people listening to that who live in cities who are addicted to the phone like myself We need to listen to that Mm. and be like, oh, damn, this person who I admire musically Mm. actually is doing something that I myself am doing. So like there's a lot of inspiration that can come from this for a lot of people. And that's the intention of this show.
1: Nice. Um,
0: So back to a little bit your um, uh, presentation or communications past the music is your humor side of yourself. So Uh let's start with, you know, when did you get to work in foreign relationships for the country of Poland. <laughs> What's a Polish ambassador oh about? What a strange name for a performer.
1: Um, It is a strange name. <laughs> uh, it's kind of random. It's very random. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's random. It's random in a way, but once you, I guess I'll, I'll give a, a, a synopsis of the story. Yeah. So my heritage is Polish. My last name is Sugalski. So okay. I'm, you know, among you other things, Polish. among other things, I'm, yeah, I'm Polish as one. I'm like, you know, a prime example of the melting pot of America. many things, one of them being Polish. Uh-huh. And my last name is very, a very Polish last name. So I guess I always identified as Polish-American because of my last name, right? It's like if, you're, if your last name is like Minatoli or whatever, you're going to identify as an Italian-American growing up. Yeah. Um, so that that's like a foundational piece in the story. And when I was in college, the whole diving into music I'm for me, yeah, was actually underground hip hop and turntablism. Mm-hmm. And I was really inspired by all these scratch DJs like uh, Retmatic and the Beat Junkies and Ooh. DJ Shadow and Hell yeah, yeah, like sort of like that that era of turntablism, right? So I yeah. wanted to do that. Okay. So that's how I started. I would go hunting for on all my time off from school at the University of Colorado. I would go to record shops, old record shops, like out in the suburbs, and I would collect records, and I would bring them home, and I would try, uh, I would try to sample, and I would try to mix songs that were in the same pitch with other songs. Nice. Yeah. So you
0: started as a turntablist. Yeah,
1: that's so sick. Yeah, so that's how it all began for me, uh-huh. and I started doing mixtapes um and giving them to friends and there was this one of the records I got was a political comedy record and they were saying all sorts of things about these different politicians it was spoken word so it was like a mm-hmm. record from the 70s you know people used to listen to records mm-hmm. as their way of hearing comedy or like hearing a show or hearing a story mm-hmm. and this was a comedy show and they were making fun of a Polish ambassador mm-hmm. and on the record they say here comes the Polish ambassador so i started like cutting in the Polish ambassador yeah. over my mixtapes, and I would put in the ID3 tags of the mixtape, the Polish ambassador. Uh-huh. So people started passing those mixtapes around, yeah. and then they started calling me that. And this, so for me it was, I wasn't taking any of this seriously at all. It okay. was all kind of a joke for me. I was like, oh yeah, I just make mixtapes for my friends. Yeah. So then my friends start, What age is this, by the way? Um. That was that was college, so 2020, 22, uh-huh. 21, 22. That's great. Yeah. So my friends started calling me the Polish ambassador because I was dropping that on the mixtapes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you know, from that period for maybe the next three years, I was working. I went and took a couple marketing jobs because that was my major at the, uh, after UC Colorado. I went into some marketing jobs and hated it so much, um, and but started. Kept make, making music and that's when I started making like the 8-bit, 16-bit mm. music. It was really just an outlet for me um, mm. and I would put the Polish Ambassador in the ID3 tags mm-hmm. for the metadata. Again, people started downloading it and this whole thing that kind of started just as like me screwing around making mixtapes, you know, it, it year by year it just became a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little mm-hmm. bit bigger. And now here I am almost like 18 years into it. And it's gotten to the point where I I have a career. What was the point where you're like, oh shit, this thing
0: I started as a just pastime kind of like joking around (laughs) fun thing
1: is actually going to be my main thing. Was there like a moment that you're like, you know, I hit you? There were a couple moments. It's, It's interesting looking back and the moment that sticks out the most was actually just being able to pay part of my rent. Uh-huh. Like, instead of having to, like, I I was able to pull back hours at a job I didn't like because all of a sudden there was $500 a month coming in from digital royalties. I wasn't even playing shows. Uh-huh. So that's kind of something that sticks out in my mind of like, oh, wow, like, I, I don't need to do this work over here. And, like, if I give this more attention, maybe I can pull back all my hours and not actually do any of this job. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so Nice. uh What was your music like at that point? It was the Chip tune stuff like that was. I mean, my my music pretty early on, um, it got likened to uh, a couple, like what was it? What was the band that used to be? There, I think they were called Crystal Castles. Okay, and they I were, think
0: they're from Montreal. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. So I don't, I haven't really heard them doing too much anymore. No, it was like a era. It was an era. But anyways, my music got likened to a couple of their songs when they were really popular. Uh-huh. And in Pandora's algorithm, that meant that whenever someone played Crystal Castles, they were probably gonna hear Polish Ambassador. Yeah. And that was when everybody was listening to Pandora too. Uh-huh. Right? So there was like three years there where I think that that, that was people were hearing that and then they, my suspicion, I, can't, I don't really know the actual stream uh, that people found my music, but my suspicion was that people were hearing it there and then buying my music on iTunes when oh. iTunes was like the big thing too. Nice. And that, that was where most of the royalties were coming in. Mm. So that was like 2006, uh, mm-hmm. 2007, something
0: like that. So as much as like uh, a music industry that doesn't really sell albums or CDs anymore, the whole streaming platforms has really helped musicians like you get tagged along other things that were working out and give you a chance to find your audience.
1: Yeah, it, back then it was really helpful. That stre- I think streaming is still helpful. It, it's it's such an interesting world streaming now than it was back then. Like. There's there's ways to like game the streaming system now that there weren't back then. So it's like a whole different landscape with if a that difference. Makes sense. What do you mean by game? the diff uh uh the difference is that back then it was like um there was just an algorithm that was written by pandora that would basically say okay if if this person likes this then then uh you're going to be able to we know they're probably going to like this and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. there's all these different things happening now mainly across spotify like playlists where uh People are—they—they they figured out what the algorithm for Spotify is, and it's basically like, well, if your songs in this in these eight playlists, we're gonna play your song more. So like fake playlists are created, like oh. playlists of people that are on little click farms in like different countries. Mm. There, there's all sorts.
0: So you can pay like a service, like, hey, make me popular on Spotify. So much.
1: Really? Oh my gosh, it's like it's never ending. Huh? And a lot of the artists that are doing it wouldn't necessarily admit that they're doing it, but like it's most people that are professionals kind of know. It's yeah. like when you see people with, oh, this person has 800,000 monthly listeners, but they sell like three tickets at their show in San Francisco. It's like, they can, you can kind of figure out what's going on pretty quickly.
0: Huh. Wow. I never right. really thought that that would, like, but the normal person like me who's listening to the music yeah. just looks at the numbers. It's yeah. like, wow, like, yeah, exactly. they got popularity. They're, oh, being yeah, listen
1: to, like, totally. and it's
0: showing up on my, on my playlist or well, my Discover
1: Weekly, or whatever. If people can figure out how to do that, Ultimately, I think it's okay, and I think it's you're just good. giving
0: yourself a chance. They're
1: giving yourself a chance. You're finding out new ways of marketing. You're mm. you're exploring and exploiting a system in your favor, which is kind of what marketing is, right? Right. So it's, you're getting it in front of people one way or another, and if the exactly. people resonate,
0: then they'll save it to their playlist, or they'll go to your show. Totally. If not,
1: that's that. Totally. Yeah, I think that the one the one era that it can be confusing is like when talent buyers are trying to decide who they want to have at their festival. At this point, I th- there, there's this new era that's kind of happening right now. It's like you you typically give offers based on how an artist has performed in that region at actual shows. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people might come in and be like, oh, well, our artist has 800,000 monthly listeners. You should pay them this much. It's like, I don't think talent buyers are really falling for that trick as much anymore. Mm. Like, it's, it's more like, no, how, much, how mm. many tickets did you sell last time you were in St. Pete? Right, you know what I mean, like, or
0: even uh, how many followers he got on Instagram, because that can also be bought.
1: That exactly. That's it's a, yeah. Instagram's kind of a, a little bit of a, a vanity app too. It's like it seems to me that pretty pictures more than like good music actually get more hearts. So it's like that impacts the algorithm in a certain way. Right. Right. So it's like. I don't know.
0: But as a musician do you feel you have also the duty to look for those pretty pictures to go along your music to lure or even
1: satisfy the fans who are already on board? No. Uh, I don't feel that, but I I don't knock anybody that does feel that. huh I think it's okay. Like it's like I, it's kind of like I said like it's it's just this whole new world where I I don't look at anything that anybody's doing as wrong it's more just like uh it can be misleading like Uh and it can be confusing for for potentially the public that thinks an artist is something that they're actually not
0: right but
1: it might yield more money it might make it so they can pay their rent and they can pay their mortgage because if you have 800,000 listeners you're probably able to make a living off of spotify Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you might not be able to go do live shows um It's just, yeah, things like monthly listeners aren't a good indication of how many people will actually come out to a live show.
0: Mm -hmm. But do you find that there's any importance to give a whole package and presentation to your music? Obviously, the music is the meat. And if people don't like the music, well, fuck the rest. But if you got good music, like, is it important for you to, like, you know what? I just made a really great album. Yeah. I want to go and look for some good visual art to put on the cover or on the posters to really yeah. fucking frame it in a way or 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 inform people what's the vibe that I'm trying to present with the whole uh, with the whole vibe of the new album or, you know, music. I don't know, man.
1: I like I so I do most of my art myself. I'm not I do not consider myself a graphic designer, but like I understand the vibration of my music, and I, I like, you know, my, my new album is, it's a photo of me with like eight psychedelic, futuristic goats on, like flanking me on the left and right. Mm-hmm. It's totally silly. And I, I don't know that many designers would look at it and be like, that is some good art right there. Yeah. But it totally captures what I'm doing. And right. it captures like the energy of the show. It's like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna come to an outer space party There's going to be aliens there, and you're Mm -hmm. going to have fun.
0: But almost like the (laughs) jankiness that you're doing with with your – that's Photoshop, I imagine? Yeah, or like Canva, Photoshop, yeah. Yeah. Right, but like you're doing – it's like home, like do-it-yourself kind of vibes. kind of goes with that vibe of like – the Polish ambassador, the crazy character that hangs out with goats using you to have Photoshop skills or higher that that perhaps is part of the visual yeah. presentation that you're trying to doesn't have to be a glossy like here I am in my you know, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Like there's no right or wrong. Yeah totally. As long
1: as it's aligned with you. Yeah, I think so. I think that's I think it's different for different artists and uh like if if someone was an artist that was just making chill music that they just wanted to have played in like really cool hip cafes, like they might do something a bit more elegant for their, uh-huh. for their art, right? It kind of depends on what angle you're going for. For me, it's like the whole reason I do what I do is to have fun and to have people get loose and get silly. Uh-huh. So my typically, not always, but typically my art, at least on like tour posters, will kind of, will correspond with that. Nice. Yeah.
0: So back to the humor, uh, yeah. what's with this character, Polish ambassador that <laughs> uses a weird jumpsuit? What's with the jumpsuits? You even got jumpsuit records.
1: Yeah. What's, wh- where did that come from and what does it mean? So the jumpsuit, okay, so this is kind of a, an addition to the story of the Polish ambassador yeah. name in the mixtape. So yeah. when I was making that early music, um, that chip tune eight bit music. If you listen to it, it's fun and it's it's like uh, melodically, it's well composed. I wouldn't say it's mixed that great because I was learning how to mix, but it's fun and it's goofy. and it's like Super Nintendo style. Yeah. so for me, the visual accompaniment of that also needed to be fun and goofy. So I was with mm-hmm. my friend Alex. I was living in Chicago at the time when I was writing when I wrote those two records. And I was like, I was like, "Who is this? What is this guy? It's not me. It's not. It's not David. It's like there's a character here."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we were at this thrift store one day, and uh, in the corner of the store, I saw this old ski suit, like this old Swiss ski suit from. I think we. I think we saw that it was from Switzerland. It was a woman's women, like a XL women's ski suit, mm-hmm. bright yellow and bright turquoise, mm-hmm. and it had like this diagonal. A uh, little pullover pocket. Yeah, yeah, super goofy. Yeah, and I put it on and
0: superheroish at the same time, kind of
1: superhero. Yeah, so I put it on and and we were like, it was like that. It was like, oh, that's it. So I got that. I got like some white high top shoes. I put on headphones. I put on like these space outer space sunglasses, and and I was like, I was like kind of spaceman on earth. Yeah, you know. And then we took a few photos in Chicago at like with the Chicago skyline and like. Back in the days of MySpace, you know, that was kind of when, when I got started and like Facebook uh-huh. wasn't really a thing. Right. So we when uploaded. When you could
0: put music on your profile yeah. too.
1: Yeah, so uh, uploaded some music, put some photos, started a little blog and the ambassador was born. Like I, I used to do blog posts, like chronicling my, my journeys in outer space. I don't really do the storytelling other than I guess the graphic novel now is kind of a, a resurgence of that. But back when I got started, there was a whole Storytelling arc to uh-huh. Polish ambassador. It was fun. It, yeah. was like an, it was like an art art comedy project for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: so the Polish ambassador is kind of some interdimensional, not interstellar character.
1: Yeah, plays, does he play music? Well, I had a, the yeah. I actually had an original story. He was like, he was a fractal of this of this being, some sort of other being that decided in its in its infinite wisdom that it needed to separate itself into like eight billion pieces. And I was just one of the pieces that ended up landing, landing on Earth.
0: Sounds like the story of all reality. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so that was kind of... The- so then that means I'm the Polish ambassador too. <laughs> I like it. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. And um, he dances. Yeah. He's got sweet dance moves. <laughs> if
1: you, know, you say so. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. And you show up to the shows, and you got the suit, and you got the wig, uh-huh. and, and then fans come with the suit. Uh-huh. They feel like they're part of some kind of silly tribe. Yeah. I can vibe with that.
1: Yeah, no, I do it. And sometimes, you know, to be transparent, sometimes I wear the suit, sometimes I don't. Yeah. It kind of depends on how I'm feeling. And lately, I haven't, I haven't been. I've just been kind of dressed. And normally, I'll wear, like, kind of a cool, bright 80s style shirt, but like the suit and the and and the wig and all of that. It's like it comes maybe every couple years. I'm like, okay, it's a suit year. Uh huh. And we're bringing it back, and we're going. We're gonna yeah. So it's not all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but it's fun. Then
0: then you put yourself in a box that's just like, okay, this is becoming too rigid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a a character that uh, so when you got back on Instagram and I was paying attention, (laughs) I, I think it was like a year ago or something. Um, I was just starting to date Paulina and I was to be like, check out the ship by post Ambassador. You were hanging out with this character called Future Gigi. Oh, yeah. And from what I perceived, he was a hitchhiking horse-headed <laughs> being. And you picked him up and then you put a mushroom in his hand. Yeah. And then you guys are walking and you help him cross a river. And then you guys are dancing around super tripped out skies and 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 then he takes off the mask and he says dude with a mullet and he's got sweet moves i was like what the fuck's going on here what 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 is this all about is he gonna start bringing him up on stage does that have have anything to do with the music performance are these just random skits yeah what is what was
1: that all about nice i'm glad you saw this yeah that was an era so brian is like one of he's one of my best friends and he lives in town here. Okay. So he comes and he does sort of uh, tour management stuff with me. Okay. On the road. So he's hilarious. He's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you love him. You yeah. might see him later today, actually. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, he and I, I was just kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to do a photo. Let's like let's mess around with these Instagram reels and like let's see if I we can do something fun. So yeah, I just learned how to do them, and I was like, I would come up with these little storylines for us, and I was like, okay, go go do that, do that. And he he would just kind of follow my instruction, and then I would put together these little stupid little videos. Uh-huh. And I did that for like I don't know, maybe two or three months straight. Yeah, with Brian. And they're great. They're fun. I love it. No, they're and is
0: doing that. Like you know, <laughs> DJs sometimes take themselves. Well, DJs, uh, uh, pro, producer. What's the official? Yeah. You don't call you producers three, or producers. composers. Yeah. You're not DJs anymore. Right? But I, to me, it's just like oh, yeah. it's a DJ. But. Yeah. Um, they take themselves too seriously these days. Yeah. They don't like go out there and be silly and make psychedelic stories and shit. Like
1: that's yeah. to me so rich and fun along the music. Well, it's a lot of it's you have to think about it in the in terms of relatability, right? Like a lot of these DJs do that because they're they want to appeal to a crowd that is that, right? Because most most people take themselves seriously most, uh-huh. right? So if, if you wanna become a, a much bigger artist, you're probably gonna to need to present something that people can relate to. Yeah. So for me, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm an artist that maybe was never meant for mass production just because of who I am and the, the nature of, yeah, my life experience and, and also what I wanna put out there. So yeah, I think that like, yeah, I wanna put out something that's relatable to bring people like you into the fold because then I'll have more fun. Uh Right? Like, I won't have fun if I look out and it's just, like, a bunch of people, like... Being all super cool. Yeah, you know, which is fine, too. Like, they, you know, that's... I'm okay with different... If with people...
0: Let people express themselves whatever the fuck they want.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, here's
0: a flavor of silliness. It's a flavor.
1: That's all it is. Yeah. And
0: we're just being ourselves. (laughs) And and I I guess that's why I like what you present. Yeah. It's like, because I'm a goofy motherfucker, too. Like, (laughs) my art's serious in the in what it's about. It's about yep. God expressing through all humans, like I'm learning right now, yeah. what you are doing. And there's a seriousness to like, you know, the question of what we're doing here, you know, in this reality. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but if God's, you know, expressing for all of us, can't we just fucking let loose and oh, laugh man. a little bit and be a bunch of goofballs and be yeah. these kids that we grew up and you know, we, we are kids playing, you're playing we your are. music, I'm doing my art and, yeah. you know, let's keep the, the vibes alive, you know,
1: in the way it resonates with us. I know. I mean, you, you got to admit God has a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. right? Like the more the more things I've done in my life that have been uh, introspective and explorative internally, whether it's through meditation or through psychedelics or or just solo, like, solo bike journey up the coast, you know, things like that, you kind of, you kind of realize that, like, this life, we're we're here, we're here to learn something, and, and, and we're here to share ourselves in a beautiful way, and it's all a big fucking cosmic joke, too, Mm -hmm. it's like, we're, we're kind of, those things are both running in parallel. Right. Right. Like one doesn't discredit the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, we
0: can still laugh and be like, oh, shit, it was just a play. Yeah. <laughs> we're just playing around, playing a video game that felt so real. And we're just like, Total. gotta be like this. <laughs> so would you feel that both your uh, music... Uh, And the expression besides the music has some kind of like psychedelic vibe to it Is there a psychedelic influence in the music Uh or even in this like trippy character that runs
1: around with goat-headed? You know beings yeah, I think I think different people different albums that I Put out uh, some of them have like more of a psychedelic flavors some of them Some of them maybe don't Uh, Yeah, I would say that psychedelics have definitely had an impact on my music whether it's mushrooms acid you know ayahuasca like there's been there's been quite a few quite a few journeys in in uh into my subconscious world that has definitely unearthed like some different ideas and different um different thoughts that then Kind of, you know, maybe gestate over a period of time and come forth in in a form of music. So, yeah, it, that that's one of those things. It's a it's a question that I can give you like I can give you that in a nutshell. But a lot of times it's like as with psychedelic experiences, you may be in it, you don't actually understand quite what's happening, and the, and maybe the in my experience like the the main way to get the most out of them is to work to release control and and let whatever message is coming through that that medicine come through you in a way that mm, maybe can allow some sort of uh, realignment or healing or or something that uh, could allow you to bring forth some something in form of creativity or a new idea or or maybe just happiness, more more sweetness or mm-hmm. all the good stuff, you know.
0: Like to surrender to what is mm-hmm. and let that
1: be
0: what is, I guess, and and be happy through that or or hopefully it becomes happy or at least mm. not uh, unhappy about it. Yeah. What what would what, you what say is some healing you've received through psychedelics, if any? I don't know if it's been a healing experience for you. It's not for everybody. Yeah. But is it something that's helped your life? Do you think it's something that's here to help humanity
1: or it's to each their own? I don't really like to to say anything is objectively helpful for all people because I, I don't know, I don't know about that. And whenever, yeah, I just know that whenever I hear, I hear anything, whether it's religion, whether it's like someone that's a professor that's trying to teach something, whenever anybody s- speaks with that sort of objectivity, I tend to bring my attention elsewhere so that kind of signals to me that I I don't want to do that either. So, but what I will say is for me uh yeah, it's been really helpful. Super helpful in understanding more about myself, understanding more about my my patterns and patterns that maybe are are helpful and then patterns that maybe aren't and being able to analyze them and kind of be like, you know what? I'm going to work on that that one right there. It doesn't seem to be helping any helping anything. Mm-hmm. Um and also like uh, like opening up maybe new new parts of my consciousness to welcome in like new styles of music right mm-hmm. like maybe that's maybe part of part of my psychedelic exploration is is the reason that I've jumped through so many different genres and 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 will continue to
0: have you ever done any psychedelics, and then start making music while under the influence, or you keep that separated. I
1: haven't, but I've I've definitely had uh, I've, I've had some psychedelics, and then for a period after uh, made music for like the next week. Mm-hmm. So because you know we're always a bit closer to that experience, like the few mm-hmm. days after, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes I'm like, wait, what, what happened like two years ago when I had that hugely profound experience, like. Wait, was it actually that profound? If I can't even remember, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right. like, we're always kind of—it's still fresh in your memory. It's still fresh, and, and like, the vibes yeah. are still
0: influencing you a little bit. Totally. Yeah, could you make music under influence, or you wouldn't even want to because you're like so affected? Depends eh? how much,
1: right? Uh-huh. Like a, a, like yeah. If I had a little bit of LSD, easy. Uh huh. Sure, but normally it's like a it's a bigger journey.
0: Right. Yeah. I I, I spoke with Randon Rab uh, recently, and he almost like it's part of his process to oh, wow. be under the influence and
1: be on that state to then find his music. I could see that. He's, to, he's awesome. He's a trippy dude and I could totally see that. Right. I'm not going to speak for it. I don't know what, what he he uses as medicine, but I love him. And
0: everybody's got their own process. Everybody's got
1: their own process. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like I, I try not to use psychedelics as a ghostwriter to is like oh I got no ideas but if I do this uh, psychedelic then I'll have the idea I try not to use it at that intention yeah, I'm more like yeah. ooh, I need to heal in me and then for a more healed state I can express something but probably there'll still be some influence from some degree of the visuals I might have tapped into there or, uh-huh yep but so it's like a mix
1: yep <laughs> so
0: you say that you rather never push any personal perspectives on others You to each their own. But do mm. you believe there's such a thing as truth? truth? Like if there's a truth that's the truth for everybody or it, mm. does everybody have their own personal truth and we gotta respect each other with that?
1: Ah, uh, good question. That's one that I I'm, I'm might reflect on and send, send you a text down the road and be like, actually, you know, this is the truth. In this moment, Truth. It's almost like the only truth. It's kind of like one of those uh, paradoxes. is feel like, feel like par- paradoxes are the only truth. It's like there's only the only truth is that there is no truth for all of us. It's almost like uh, what is is <laughs> like in kind of like a Buddhist way. It's like, right. you know, this or moment a, is the only thing that's that's objectively true for all of us as individuals. That, and that's it.
0: Right. Or a Cartesian like. I'm thinking, thus I know I exist. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much all I'm sure of. Yeah, and everything is up up for grabs. But
1: then you get into like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to go full throttle on this, but you, you go into like, oh well, some people think this is a simulation, uh-huh. and not in a simu- not a simulation like we're in a game, but like yeah. a simulation, in that like God is actually actually what's behind us or right. whatever, you know, use whatever term you need. Not doesn't need to be God. And then kinda like you said, we're just in this, we're just in this video game. Right. And well, the Emperor
0: yeah. Tablet says that we're in the we're we are a dream of God. Or uh-huh. we're in the mind of God. Uh-huh. And it is manifesting this. And to us, it's so fucking real. Yeah. And there's time and there's space. But really, in the end, once you get outside of it, you're like, oh, that is not and that's how I feel when I do like aya, ah, yeah, and I go really deep. It almost seems like the physical reality is kind of like a little joke bubble that doesn't really matter that much, but it's a good place to experience some really awesome things. Yeah. So good just to stay in the state of gratitude for whatever is there. Mm -hmm.
1: I like that. I like that. The dream that we're in the dream of God. That's cool. I never really thought about it like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your graphic novel. This is something that came out like uh, a year or two ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's called The Polish Ambassador to Space. Me and my friend James, uh, like right before the pandemic, we were we were like, oh, what do you think about writing a, he, he actually approached me and was like, what do you think about turning Polish Ambassador into a graphic novel? And he had written a couple other graphic novels. So, uh-huh. and I was like, well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty busy and pretty focused on these things. Like how much of this can you take hold of and how, how much of it can I just be like once a week we get on the phone and. I tell you about kind of this character, and uh-huh. he was basically on board to do the bulk of the work. So uh-huh. I credit, I I highly credit James to being uh, the um, well, almost everything for that project, other than maybe yeah, like I said, me getting on the phone and mm. and feeding him little insights, and then also providing music um, and a character. Did you have to like pay him for that service,
0: or was it like a collaboration where he was happy to do it because it was an exciting yeah. character? Yeah, um,
1: it was it was a collaboration in a in a sense, and I, the the agreement was that I would pay for all the costs associated with it and
0: with printing.
1: Well, everything illustration, like all the I mean, all that we we had we hired everybody to like do it. Like, so James isn't an artist; he's just more of a project manager. Oh. So I hired oh, okay you know, so he hired an artist then. he oh, yeah, many m- multiple artists, like there's a colorer, a colorist is different from the person who does the line drawings, and wow. everybody has a little bit of a different role in when you're creating a graphic novel, so, yeah, my business basically paid for the whole project james work he it I didn't pay him for his work, uh-huh. and then he's a he's a partner on the project. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense so um yeah, but it was it was an awesome awesome process of getting to know James and like getting to create this, this, uh, outer space fictional reality. And then I wrote music specifically for that graphic novel. Uh-huh. So it was cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm I'm really happy to have done it. It's kind of one of those things that you're like, Oh cool. I made a graphic novel Yeah. and like, it's, it's like check, right? Like I imagine that if you haven't done something like that already, that might be a thing where it's like, yeah, you make a you create a character and do some sort of like comic at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> you know? I'm
0: I'm learning from this. I, I used to draw comics. Uh when I first moved to Canada um in the 90s. I, I loved cartoons uh-huh. and I wanted to be an animator, but nice. first came me doing comics because all of a sudden I was in Canada and I had no friends, so to go to a comic book shop and I'd buy Spider-Man's and I was like And so I was really into that vibe. Um, But then I just moved on to fine arts. But now listening to you is like, oh, yeah, like I got characters. Yeah. I just don't. uh, I'm still working on the plot. Like, so my parallel to you would be my Galactic Gang NFT project. Uh Like I got a lot of characters and I got a general story written. Yeah. uh, But I hadn't had the time to really like polish the book. Yep. Because it's just a lot on my plate and I'd have to like, you know, just sit down there for a couple of weeks. But to even turn it into a graphic novel could be fun. And mm-hmm. maybe I should pick James's uh, brain about it and yeah. see what would it take to have different artists, you know, grab my art and, and do it in that style. Because I just wouldn't have the time, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that could be cool. I mean, having someone like James that, that can do that would be... Would probably be the thing that would help you carry a project like that to completion. Mm-hmm. You know. And
0: what was the connection between this and your NFT project? Tell me about your NFT project.
1: Yeah. Well, when we were when we were finalizing the graphic novel, like NFTs, all of a sudden had become this thing. And I I released a couple audio NFTs on this platform called Catalog, which I imagine they're still they're still going. Of course, that that world is kind of all over the place and maybe a little less interest now than there was back then but as we were uh unveiling the graphic novel i was i was talking with some of the some of my my polish ambassador crew about having nfts that were associated with the graphic novel Um, so we were like yeah let's create let's create some cool nfts that highlight uh aspects of the graphic novel so we called them golden moments Mm -hmm. so basically they're little frames from the graphic novel and some of them are more rare than others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and people got people got excited about it. We had we had some collaborations with you, and you helped us get word out about it. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I bought one.
0: Yeah, I got I got my Polish uh, <laughs> NFT, and I went to your party in Denver, uh-huh. and uh, you're part of also my Galactic Gang movement, yep. and you've performed in our virtual reality metaverse party a couple times. Yeah, uh, so definitely there's. Uh, a little community there, so there's like a community behind this NFT collection you've done, right?
1: Yeah, there is. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a Discord and got a, got a Twitter, and you know, there's some people that chime in on Facebook. Um, yeah, it's there. I think we're we're kind of calling it the Ambastronauts right now, though. Ambastronauts was also sort of a fan club of mine in the past, but you know, there's a there's definitely a dedicated crew. It's carrying it carrying it forward. And it's and they they seem to have a lot of fun. They do listening parties in the Discord and listen to Polish ambassador music and then other music and talk about it. And
0: Aww. it's cool. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I love the uh, community aspect of these NFT projects. Like some people talk shit on NFTs like, oh, it's a money grab. Oh, it's a rug mm. pull. Oh, these are just JPEGs and it means nothing. And yeah. crypto is a lie and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of like shit talk to it. But as somebody who's actually gotten into it and yeah.
1: invested and and done an offering how do you feel about it well i, th- I think that there's truth to a lot of that that that, that there are it, it there are money grabs and there are there is gambling and like i i didn't make any money off of my nft project like it's all still in in this fund kind of waiting to see what happens so i think it depends on on the project the intentions the crew involved um But yeah, like like crypto in its current state and NFT, like it's cool and progressive and it's got a lot of holes. Mm. I think we all see that it could be something really special and it Mm -hmm. probably is the future. But it seems to me that some things really need to tighten up before uh, before more people are going to be willing to adopt it as something that's worth their time and energy. Right. There's just so much theft. It just,
0: it, and it just can't go up and down. No. And become so unstable. Yeah. But it also could be that decentralized option for a new currency that gives away from the Babylon financial yeah, system. It
1: could be. In my opinion, what will change that is, um, like, people like my parents will have a crypto account because it's safe because they can put the money in there that they've earned for like 40 years of, of working hard and and not feel like it's going to go away. Then yeah. Once that happens, everything will change probably overnight.
0: Right. Because maybe it might go up and down, but it'll always be an yeah. um,
1: amount of crypto without a bank. Yeah. All the time like holding. No, no one wants to put their energy and, and money in, especially when people are working so hard these days, into something that is such a gamble. Some people do. And some people that know how to gamble will make money because it is kind of, there is, a, there is definitely a gambling aspect to any market that has high volatility, right? It's just that's kind of what gambling is. Mm-hmm. But like in the meantime, focus in on the community aspects of it. And, and like let's just wait and be patient for, for things to tighten up a little bit. And crypto could be really, really cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Agreed. So I think it's just the beginning. Yeah. And uh, I feel things will get better. Me I don't too. I don't see it disappearing and just being like, oh, yeah, yeah we did crypto for a couple of years and yeah, then we no. got over it. No, it's for sure going to grow. But yeah. it might just take some time and being there at the beginning at the dawn of something, it's special. Totally. Yeah. Like to do a, a new technology and connect with people all around the world. On a new kind of platform for me was super interesting. And yeah, you know, I don't think it's dead yet. Nah. It's just the ups and downs on the world. <laughs> like right now, yeah. I mean, there's ups and downs with everything. Yeah, totally. Um, so do you fuck with politics at all? Like, do you pick a side and are against the other side? or you with nobody? Are you with everybody? Like, what do you, how do you observe the world right now? And uh, it's become a world that's becoming so divided and polarized and. Where do you stand in all of this?
1: Yeah, I don't really, like my, I would say my my politics find their way into maybe previous conversations that we had, maybe relating to spirituality or, or something. I don't really like to use those terms or specifically that term, spirituality. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but what I would say is, like, the things that I tend to move away from are are people that have ideas and they're speaking about them as objective truths, whether it's in the Democratic side or, or the Republican or the conservative side. Like, if anybody says, well, it's just like this, it's like, well, clearly it's not because 50% of the population disagrees with you. So, like, let's start there. Let's stop speaking in objectives and let's get into more maybe, like, long-form conversation where we can actually understand each other and then maybe maybe you'll change my mind because we had a chance to sit down and and talk about something in a non objective way. That's like, oh, this is my experience. This is yours. Like, cool. Like, how do we how do we meet in the middle on this? Right. Because in the end, we all just want the same thing.
0: Yeah. We all just we want to be able to live in some degree of comfort and
1: yeah, not discomfort. Yeah. So it's like I for me, I have friends all across the board. I don't I don't have like friends that are my my community is not just Democrat. It's not just Republican. It's like I like all people, and I, I don't really consider myself either, but I share v- different views that are on both sides at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing to have those views changed mm-hmm. as well through, like, a conversation that's where I can hear and understand something from somebody
0: Right, you're yeah. open-minded, and, yeah. and you can't just demonize the other side as like we're the good ones and they're the bad ones. No. It's like really, half the population is <laughs> evil. Yeah, no, they really want to destroy. Uh.
1: That's that's where it gets tricky. That's right. where I don't want to I don't want to say anybody is is evil, but that's where again I will I will remove my energy from a conversation. Like, if we were sitting here and you were speaking in objectives to me, I probably would have left the interview already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the one thing that, to me, feels like is, if there is one problem, it's that. It's saying that, well, this is just how it is. This gets, is the
0: truth, yeah.
1: and you got to believe it. It's like, you don't, yeah. Anybody that likes to, wants to play God like that, they, they shouldn't be in charge of anything.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you feel there's any chance that these two sides can unite at any point to some degree enough to really stop fighting and coming together and creating solutions that go past the corporate control that seems to have a grasp on the world. Yeah I
1: I do think that I think like just the advent of podcasts is sort of symbolic that we're moving in a direction right where you have a lot of, po- like, think about 10 years ago, like, podcasts. I mean, you maybe we maybe you listen to a podcast, like, occasionally on, but probably not. And now everybody I know has, like, a whole list of podcasts that they're listening to weekly, right? right? And, like, information is being disseminated in a way different way right now than it ever has been through long-form conversations, where people people are getting together with potentially different views, and they're, they're starting to see eye-to-eye, and I think having more media like that and having more channels, like maybe, maybe in the future, like TV, you'll turn on NBC and it will be a three hour long form discussion, right? Like who, if, if something like that happened in the next five years, imagine the impact. Right. Imagine like two presidential candidates talking to each other for three hours rather than these little like two second sound bites. Like (laughs) you're an idiot, you're old, you're, you're you know what I mean? Like (laughs) imagine, imagine what, what, what could change with just something as simple as that
0: well that's so you know? great that, that that there's finally this option where people are having a conversation that's a little bit longer and you can really feel the vibe of somebody
1: mm-hmm. in these
0: conversations yeah because it's not like something that that's rehearsed it's like the the person making the questions might make it a question that you gotta think and you can see the person's process of finding their truth and also admitting that they don't know all the answers and yeah yeah and then you can maybe allow yourself to trust some people more. I would like to trust more people yeah who, you know, who are trying <laughs> to get into uh, leader positions. Yeah. They're just the good ones are hard to find, I guess. But this conversation, for example, I'm I don't want to like give away my politics, but lately I've been listening more and more to uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr.. Oh yeah. And I'm like, wow, here's a guy who's uh-huh. kind of like talking. A little bit. He's not just like I'm this thing and fuck the others. He's yeah. talking different points and I'm like, yeah, finally somebody who's talking my language. Totally. And I and I enjoy hearing him speak, even though that voice is kinda like, you know, abrasive. Uh I enjoy what he's saying <laughs> uh-huh. over many hours. Sure. And and understanding his intention. So you know, but he won't get on normal TV. And mainstream TV is like, oh, that yeah. guy is evil and, and, and this and that. I mean, what
1: would be, what, what, how crazy would it be if, like, if, or what would change, hypothetically, if someone was able to win the presidency without even being on mainstream TV? That, that signals to me that, like, like there's new there's new routes and new ways of communicating that potentially could do this thing that you're talking about where people can see more eye to eye because if he does mm. if he did win, it would probably be because he found out how to have long form conversations.
0: But people as you're saying are yeah. tuning more into that and, yeah. and they're finding more truth in that. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing the BS in the in the mainstream. And yeah. I think he's got a chance. Uh, and, you know, once again, politics are politics. I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm also fooled and who cares at the end <laughs> of the day. But, but just change is good because yeah. corporations own everything. And it's just being always just lie after lie after puppet after puppet. And I want real change, not the appearance of change. And then you get him in and it's the same fucking story. Totally. And humanity, I think it's ready for something new. And yep. perhaps these proper conversations help. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, do you feel musicians like yourself uh, contribute to adding a positive vibration that could bring healing to some aspects of humanity, or at least to their immediate communities? Oh yeah,
1: totally. Like, I mean, even for me, personally, I think that because I've had that experience, right? Again, I don't, I don't try to. Uh, objectively speak about anything but like of course if we have that experience ourselves we think that at least there's got to be a few people out there that that could have a similar experience right mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean just going i was at i went to a lightning in a bottle festival a lot of times when i go to a festival like i'm playing maybe another festival the next night so i'm like in and out so i don't really get to experience it that much it's like I have fun but it's my work, right? Right. So this past lightning in a bottle I got a, a bunch of friends on the guest list and we went down and we stayed for four nights. Mm-hmm. And to I had party. Oh my gosh, I had so much fun and it was like it was such a great uh great feeling to connect with friends and like deepen deepen bonds with friends and make new ones and how much like um ununderstood like uh healing happens we don't really know the healing that happens when we have those sort of maybe whatever sacred moments of like bonding with other humans Mm -hmm. right and like sharing a really cool experience or like having like a a four-hour dance party with your best friends like what Mm -hmm. who knows what's actually going on in our bodies that that's probably helpful right not only for our body but then once our body heals in a certain way like You're vibrating at a at a a different vibration, and people are feeling that, and and maybe you're impacting them now. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that's like, a lot of that's just art. Like, you go to a festival like Lib, and those those guys are the guys that put that on are are buds of mine, and they're they're artists, right? So they're creating this uh, amazing container. And then mm-hmm. you plug in music, which is also like the the individual individual art from maybe like people like myself and other artists. Uh-huh. So you have like this layered art on top of each other, and it just creates this wild experience um, for people to interact and, and celebrate and and hang with each other. That's beautiful. Yeah. What,
0: what's, a, what's some performers you caught out there or performers that are you you've been fans of?
1: Uh huh. At that festival.
0: Sure. There or who's somebody you stoked
1: on? Um, let's see. That I saw this guy named Mind Chatter out there. I was like, oh, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of him before. Um, well, uh, uh, this guy Tropo, I caught his set. He's he does like electronic and plays violin. Okay. Um, and I, the what was what's the what's that big act that's, that was really fun? It's the guy and the girl. Um, Sophie Tucker. Okay. Sophie Tucker. They're they were really fun. Nice. It was like really high energy and yeah, just like party. It was it was good. It was a good party. Yeah, you had a good time. <laughs> I did. I had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> sick. yeah.
0: Well, David, uh, thank you so much for having me over your house and having this awesome conversation. Uh, before we say goodbye, is there any final words of wisdom or anything you'd like to share with the people watching? Hmm. You don't like to tell people what to think. <laughs> but if anything that's that's almost like your message, don't tell others what to
1: think. Yeah, you know? Just just do you. Don't don't harm others, don't I don't know. Ex- explore explore what it feels like to to spend a portion of your life being rather than thinking you need to do all the time and reach out if you need to reach out to friends and and have fun. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah, love you, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, too.
0: And I love you guys, too. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, all that boring stuff that you don't want to do, but you love me so much, you're going to do it anyways. And I'll see you next time. Blessings. Woo. Next episode. Ashley Josephine Foreman! I think that the spirituality in tattooing is in the tattooing and it's more something that moves through you and not something that you're responsible
1: for like doing to another. I'd say becoming a tattooer and working with tattoo has been a very refining process of um, you know
0: mastery in yourself, learning boundaries, learning perception, learning listening, learning connection and social skill learning right livelihood, learning integrity, learning to listen to that voice inside. And like, there's something in that. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Big thanks and see you next episode. Peace.